Thanks for tuning into the Glenridge Church message. It's great to have you with us. Our mission is to love God, love people, and live to change the world. If we can help you in any way at all, feel free to reach out to us on hello at glenridge.org.za. We have a, we, this, this season that I believe we're in, entering into, I was looking at my notes the other day, or this morning, and on the, at the end of May last year, I, I, pre- I spoke to the, to the leaders, and I said the season has changed from, taking, from holding ground to taking ground. The season has changed from being static and kind of weathering the storm and kind of being battered by the storm and kind of we, there's a season for that and there's a time for that. The season's, the season's changed from coming out of something, it's changed to going into something. And I loved what uh, Hilton preached a, couple, a few Sundays ago about a change of season and what do we need to be doing in a change of season. The season that we're going into, friends, is a season of laying hold of promises, the promises of God, of inheriting the promise of God. And uh, I was reflecting on, on Christmas Eve. I actually didn't do this because of that. I was actually just, uh, it kind of just all worked like that. Is on Christmas Eve, we, I spoke about that the, the birth of Jesus, that the coming of the baby Jesus. Friends, we, the, the, we make more about Christmas than we do about Easter, but the profound thing is actually Easter. You know that? The, the Christmas is the promise. Christmas is the kind of the, the baby gets born in this miraculous, but this baby's full of promise, and the promise is that Easter's coming and resurrection life is coming. And so I actually preached around uh, on New Year's Eve around what do you do? How do you inherit the promise? How do you come into the promise? Because there was, uh, there was Mary, Jesus' mom. There was Joseph, and I spoke about Mary, Jesus, Joseph, and the shepherds, and the part that they had to play to make sure that the promise of God, which, was, which came in Jesus, was, was, came to fruition. For example, Mary, a young girl, was told that you were going to be the mother of the Messiah, and she's overwhelmed, and she says these things. She just says, God, if it be your will, let it be done. You see, to take hold of the promises, you've got to trust God, and you've got to believe God for what He says. And and, and, And in the text, it says, nothing is impossible with God. You see, Mary embodied nothing is impossible with God. Joseph was a man who wanted to divorce his wife, who wanted to divorce, because actually she, she was now pregnant, and he had in mind to divorce her. And God said, no, 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 don't divorce her, because actually the, what she carries is from me. And so he has to suck up his reputation and get married to this lady. You see, to inherit the promises of God, you can't, uh, you can't have the promises of God and your reputation intact sometimes. Sometimes you've got to choose one or the other. And if you choose reputation, if you choose comfort, if you choose the good life, sometimes we can't inherit the promises of God. See that? So Joseph, and then Joseph, it says this about Joseph. How's this, friends? And if you hear New Year's Eve, sorry, this is again, you're hearing it again, but maybe that's a good thing too. But he says of Joseph, and she, he never slept with her until after Jesus was born. Not only is he being accused of, yeah, now you've got a bastard child, and you're going to marry the woman who did this, you what, you, what have you done? Not only does he do that, but when he has a right to sleep with her after they're married, he doesn't until after the child is born. 
You see, to inherit the promises of God, friends, it's not about our rights. It's about His right. And so we, we spoke about the promises of God. And friends, we're going into a season where we've got to take hold of the promises of God. And so what we're going to do next, next, starting from next week, we're going to start a series in the book of Joshua. When we're going to see what it takes to take hold of a land and what it takes to move into a land and how God does that in the different, the different spaces that He's going to put us into. But just have a look at Deuteronomy 34. It's the book just before Joshua. Deuteronomy 34, verse 5. I've been, uh, for those that don't know, I've spent six or seven years in the Glenwood congregation, and I came back to this congregation three years ago, end of January. Heather and myself, and we were and started leading here. And uh, so it's been quite a transitionary time for us these last three years. Me learning how to lead in a different space, me all sorts of stuff happening, and God and God and thing, good things and bad things and all sorts of things happening. Friends, please, please don't expect life because you follow Jesus to only be good things. It's like just don't. That's just that's just not the gospel. Jesus died on a cross friends, to get a good thing. Like, it's not the, it's not the model that Jesus lived. And uh, anyway, I was, and as I've been contemplating this, this thing of kind of changing of seasons and all these sorts of things, friends, for me, transition is done. It's time to take land now. It's actually, it's actually, we know who we are, we know what we want, we know what we're called to, God's called us, God's connected us with partners, God's connected us with friends in the city, and we're actually called to go for it now. And you, and which means that every single one of us has to play a part in that. And every single one of you have to take on your inheritance that God's put in you, and actually we fight with each other for each other to get our inheritances. And you you learn that through the book of Joshua. But this is what it says in Deuteronomy 34, verse 5. And Moses, the servant of the Lord, died there in Moab, as the Lord had said. He buried him in in Moab, in the valley opposite Beth Peor. But to this day, no one knows where his grave is. It's an amazing thing, eh? Probably the greatest man that ever lived outside of Jesus, and they don't even know where he's buried. Moses was 120 years old when he died, yet his eyes were not weak, nor his strength gone. The Israelites grieved Moses in the plains of Moab 30 days until the time of weeping and mourning was over. Now Joshua, son of Nun, was filled with the spirit of wisdom because Moses had laid his hands on him. So the Israelites listened to him and did what the Lord had commanded Moses. And he, and yeah, Amazing thing, they listened to him. Listen, so, can I read that again? So the Israelites listened to him and did what the Lord had commanded Moses. Quite important that. Since then, no prophet has risen in Israel like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face, who did all, did all the miraculous signs and wonders of the Lord and set him to do in Egypt to Pharaoh and all the officials and the whole land. For no one has ever, ever shown the mighty power or performed the awesome deeds that Moses did in the sight of Israel. Joshua chapter 1. Just next, carry on. 
After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan into the land I'm about to give to them, to the Israelites, to the land I'm about to give to them, to the Israelites, to all of them. Remember that. I'm giving it to them. I'm not giving it to you. I'm giving it to all of you. I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon, from the great river, the Euphrates, all the Hittite country, to the great sea on the west. No one will be able to stand up against you all the days of your life. Friends, when we're, when we're going into a new season and God takes us into a, into a new season, we've got to remember a number of things which we, with these couple of verses show us. Is that, first of all, is we must finish grieving the old season. You must finish grieving the old season. If God's got something new for you, you've got to finish grieving what was old. It says there was a grieving time, but then there was a time when the grieving was finished. It was done. They don't even know where he was buried. This great man of God, nobody's ever used this guy. It says here, nobody's ever seen this again. No, it's just incredible power, Egypt, Pharaoh, plagues, all sorts of things happening. But that season was done, friends. Because you know why, friends? Is the promises of God always trans transcend the leaders of God's people. The, the promises of God are always bigger than the moment. The promises of God are always bigger than the era in which you find and the context in which you find yourself in. The promises of God for Glenridge Church started in 1982 with a couple called Chris and Meryl Venant that planted this church with a ragtag 30 or 40 people of young people. Chris had never, to his own admission, had never read the Bible through. And he planted this church having never read the Bible through. It wasn't planted because of man's cleverness. It wasn't planted because of some kind of amazing gift of oratory. Chris was an Afrikaner that could hardly speak English. And he preached in English. Friends, this church was planted because God decided that this church need, this city needed this church. And so the, the promises of God and what he put into the very DNA of this church was a creativity, was an expectation and a hunger for the power of God to move. What he put into this church was a multicultural, multiracial. In 1982, God put that into this church. Not because it's PC now. Friends, we've got to stop being PC. P PC means politically correct, just in case you don't know. Honestly. What happens is we're too scared to say this or that. Now you can't say anything because it's politically incorrect. Friends, the truth is the truth and the word of God is the word of God. And we are to preach that sh shamelessly but lovingly. And that, that, that DNA was put in there. The promises of God went into, Chris, into the church then. The, the foundation of the church was put into there. Chris and Merrill handed over to Rory and Maldiah. And the promises of God for this church never changed, friends. We moved from, from meeting in a tent to meeting into a building. And one of the dangers of moving from a tent into a building is that the building becomes the church and not the people become the church. And this church exploded as we moved into, probably doubled and tripled in size. Friends, when, when, when we moved into this building, there's a photo that was taken from up top there. 
And Rory was standing here, and there must have been 10 rows of chairs, friends, around him. There must have been a quarter of the number of people that are sitting here this morning when we moved into this building. But you see, the promises of God doesn't depend on the numbers of people that are in the church. The promises of God are the promises of God, and it transcends all these things. And then Rory and Mel hand over to Ryan and Melissa that hand over to Heather and myself, friends. And it's not about the leader, and and what I'm trying to, I'm mentioning the leaders, but what I'm trying to say, it's not about the leaders, it's about the promises of God. It's about the promises of God that we have for our kids, that our kids would be nation builders and nation changers, and miracle workers. Not when they grow up and get old, when you grow up and get old, you get cynical. No, they get, when, they, when they're young, they're going to do that. And they're going to grow up and, and get old knowing that's what it happens. Friends, we have the promises of God, and I love what it says there. Moses is dead. They grieved for a moment, and then it was done. And friends, honestly, for those of you that have been in this church for 20 or 30 years, stop grieving about the old. Stop talking about the good old days. The good, the, the, the good, new, days are, the good new days are way better than the good old days. Honestly, and there's a moment, there's a moment now I feel like there's a gear shift, there's a change in what's happening, God is taking us forward, and we need faith for this next season, because friends, God's promises have never changed for this church. I love what he says to Joshua. Look what he says there, he says, Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' assistant. That's how he addresses him. Then he says, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people. You see, friends, if we're going to take hold of the promises of God, there's got to be a change of responsibility and authority that come onto every single person. And I believe that's what the gospel does. You see, we, stop from, we, we move from being assistants to leaders. If you're thinking of yourself all the time and you're thinking, well, the reason why I can't do what God's called me to do, well, I can't. Friends, Jesus is alive and resurrected and alive on the throne and speaking life over you. He has a destiny for your life. He has all these good things that fits into his great story. But friends, if you think of yourself as an assistant all the time instead of a leader, you're never going to walk into the promises of God for your life. And he says to him, Moses, he says to Joshua, uh, Joshua his sister was assistant. Now he says, now you, you're no longer assistant, now you take the people in. You and all the people are going to inherit this. I want to say to you, it doesn't matter how long you've been in this church, if you've been in the, if this is your first Sunday, you lock into 37 years of promise and inheritance. You don't have to fight for it, you're just part of it. You just join in. And those of us that have been here longer and have paid the price and built a building and gave money and gave sacrificially that we could even have this building, we want to say to you, come and enjoy everything that we have. Come and enjoy all the promises that are ours. Come and enjoy this community. Come and enjoy the life of this community and, and, be, and be part of this community and lock into what God's got for us and for you. Because it's for all of us, not just for some of us. Friends, we're no longer assistants, we're leaders. We've got to grow up. We're leaders. 
Every believer, every believer that has Jesus in their life can hear from God. Do we know that? The priesthood of all believers. We don't have to go to a priest to hear what God's saying. We are the priest. We can come into the presence of God. You know what that makes you? That makes you a leader because now you have an ability to hear what the creator God is saying. Does that make a difference? Of course it does. If you can hear from God, it's not, it's not like can you hear from Cyril Ramaphosa or can you hear from whoever the president is, as much as we'd love to hear from those, these great leaders, you can hear from God, friends. You're not an assistant. You're a, you're a, you're a leader. You're somebody that can hear the wisdom of heaven, the wisdom of the ages from before the beginning of time. This God that knows, that is omnipotent, that is omnipresent, that is omniscient, that knows everything and all-powerful. You have a personal relationship and you can hear from Him, which means that you can help direct your own life and the lives of others. We're not assistants if we want to take hold of the promises of God. Nobody's left out. You know what Joshua, what's amazing about this book of Joshua is that he's called to face different challenges that Moses was. Moses' job, he grew, up in the, he grew up in the courts of Pharaoh, lived as a sheep farmer for 40 years, got all of, he lived with a royalty mindset, got humbled in the desert, and, for, and, so, and after 80 years went back to Pharaoh and said, oh, by the way, all your slaves, your millions of slaves, we're out of here. That was his job. And Pharaoh resisted, and God said, no, 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 Pharaoh, you've got to understand, you're not God, I'm God. And there was plagues, there was all sorts of things. God just displayed his magnificence and his glory and said, actually, I am king of this universe, nobody else. Your gods are not really gods. Your gods are created beings. Your gods are idols. Your gods are not God. You're, God, you're, you're not the most high God. And so Moses' job was to take them out, to cross this, to cross this, the, the, the Red Sea and to see the, 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 enemy's army, the, the enemy's army vanquished and drowned and then to take them into a land. But friends, Moses didn't get to take them into the land. Joshua did. You see, the next generation has got different challenges, friends. You can't keep comparing the, to the past what was and what isn't. It's different now. It's a different context. It's a different city. Friends, even when we compare churches, churches that are up the road and churches in other cities, stop comparing other churches. They're not us. They're not in the top of the Durban station with the, with the issues that we have and face and the realities that we live in. And we have incredible um, we have challenges, but we have incredible, amazing things that we, that we leverage because of where we are. And so we don't ever compare ourselves to other churches, to other leaders, and what's happening anywhere else in the world. Friends, God is speaking to us. We're hearing God as best as we know. We're following Him. We're listening to Him, and, he, and we're trusting Him to do what He wants to do. That's what this church is called to do. Honestly, friends, we are, the, the pressure, you know what the pressure for leaders are? Numbers. Numbers. How many people? How much money you got in the bank? Anything to do with numbers. Church leaders are famous for, for, for getting the identity from numbers. 
If Jesus got his identity from numbers, he is the worst leader in the world. He had, he had 12 disciples, and he had no money. He had people supporting him, ladies supporting him. If Jesus was interested in numbers, he was the worst, we mustn't follow him. You see, Jesus was interested in doing the will of God for his life. That's all Jesus was. And success, my friends, is to hear what God's saying for you, to do what God's called you to do, and to become the person God's called you to become. Because it's not just about doing, it's about being. And so we are called to become the people that God's called us to be and to do the things that God's called us to do. And we do that, it's going to go well with us. It's not about numbers. Must I tell you the other thing that leaders face is they have this numbers thing, and it's a major pressure. Whose church is bigger and whose money is more and all the rest of it? How many people? Number, numbers, 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 numbers. The other thing is, is what people think of you. Friends, all we're interested is in what he thinks of us. We cannot live our lives, friends. We cannot live our lives about what other people think of us. We are called to do, we are not going to give an account to other people. We're going to give an account to him. And we live our lives like we're going to give an account to other people because we're worried about what other people think and what are we doing and we should be doing and we shouldn't do this and how are we going to do that, friends? Moses is dead. Joshua is alive. Assistant to leader. Cross into the Jordan and take hold of your inheritance. And I, want to, and I want to declare that season over this church. We're going to declare that season over this church right now. That's what it is. That's the season we're in. Friends, it is a sacrificial season. It's a season of faith. It's a season where you're going to have to work on your marriage because, of, but friends, your marriage, the condition of your marriage is key in the kingdom. Marriage is not just a partnership, a, a contract that you sign, friends. It's a display of the church and Jesus. And we want strong marriages that display Jesus and His church, that people can look at your marriage and say, oh, I want Jesus and I want to be part of the church, if this is what it looks like. It's all these things. I'm picking on marriages this morning. There's, there's all these things. It's sacrificial, friends. In this land that they go through, they, don't have, they have to fight their way through it. You know the scary thing about God is when He says, be strong and courageous once, you think, okay. But when He says, be strong and courageous again, you're thinking, oh, hang on. And then when He third time He says, now be strong and very courageous, you've got to worry. <laughs> it's not like a good thing that. It's like, why do, why do I have to be strong and why do I have to be courageous? Because I'm going to be facing fear. Because I'm going to be need to be strong. And if I, if, I, if I shrink back and become fearful and not in faith, actually God is not going to punch us through into what he has. And we're going to step back into the desert. And friends, I don't want a desert season. I want a flourishing and a milk and honey season. And every single one of us are in that place. And I'm talking about us together. But friends, it's for you individually. Last thing. Is there a last thing? I've said a whole lot of stuff that I wasn't going to say, but we've got to move from, 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 you see, this change of context. You've got to move from being a settler to a pioneer. Friends, you know what settlers become? Slaves. Settlers eventually become slaves. That's what happened to the people of Israel, and it's going to happen to us. As soon as you become settlers, 
As soon as you, you, you accept the status quo, you become a slave to your context because you're now trying to control your status quo. Friends, we are not called to be slaves, and we are not called to be settlers. We are called to be pioneers that follow Jesus because the nature of Jesus is pioneering, not settling. If Jesus had to settle, he'd still be making furniture in, 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 in wherever he lived. What's that place? Galilee or Nazareth. He's a pioneer. He pioneered through the cross into resurrection life. We've got to change. When you change season, you move from being a settler to a pioneer. This, this new context that God takes Joshua in is a place that they've never been before. It's a country that they've never seen before. It's pioneering. It's exciting, but it's messy. It's, it has its challenges. It's for a people of faith. Friends, you know why the, dead, you know why the, you know why the giants are there? It's so that God says to you, before you step across this river into your promised land, know that there's giants there, so you better be crossing with faith, not fear. We're a church that's going to take our inheritance because of the faith. And lastly, I want to say this, that in this context, and you see it in verse 3 there, he says this, I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses, your territory will extend, and he gives you the boundaries of his, of his territory. But he says, every place you set your foot, and then he says, I will give you this place. You see, God is not unclear about where he wants us to be, but we've got to put our feet there. God is not unclear about the extent of the boundaries and the inheritance that God has for us as a church. God's not, God like, knows what that is. But he says, I will give that to you, but you've got to take it. You see, in this season, friends, that we're going into, as we start to look at the bush, uh, the, the, the bush of Joshua, the, jo the book of Joshua, God does the giving, but we need to do the taking. God gives it to us, but we've got to take it, and we've got to own it. And I'm trusting that this year, even as we start this year with a family and it's all fun and it really is, friends, I love that fun, freedom and fearlessness. We want to be that. God's going to give us stuff, but we're going to take it. You see, God will give you a good marriage, but you've got to make it into something. You, 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 God, gives you, God gives us everything we need for life and godliness. God gives us everything that we need, possibly need to fulfill the design and the created purpose for which we put on this earth for. But we've got to take it, friends. We're not babies. You see, crossing into the promised land, God assumes that you can hear from Him and you're going to listen to Him because you're going to fight some battles and you don't fight the same battle the same way. It's different times, different things. God, God does the giving, but we do the taking. Friends, and it's an unbelievably exciting year for us as a church, and I believe for us as a, as a community, as individuals. God wants to give us inheritance. God wants to release inheritances. Friends, there are business inheritances going to be released this year. Business things. There are strategic inheritances. There are, there, there are inheritances not just for us as a body, but as individuals. This, God's going to release these things to us. And what I think the book of Joshua is going to teach us is how do we step into that and contend for that and fight for that with God at our back because He said it will happen. In Jesus' name, amen. Bless you.